and thank you for listening to another episode of the Scrumcast. I am Jade Meskill. I'm Ravenwater. I'm Derek Neighbors. And we have with us a special guest today, Ainsley Nice. Hello. All right. <laughs> and uh, Ainsley has co-written a book with Diana Larson called Lift Off, Launching Agile Teams and Projects Towards Success. And why don't you tell us, you know, just a quick 30-second overview of the book and what it's about. Okay. Well, as you can tell from the title, the book is about starting Agile teams right and projects, of course. And um, we talk about liftoff as uh, the primary way to do that. Liftoff is when that first get-together that you have once a project has been initiated. And also in that, we believe that chartering belongs in every liftoff, although there are certainly many other things you can, activities that you can do during a liftoff. Okay, awesome. So uh, what, what was your motivation for writing this book? Well, both Diana and I had done some uh, chartering independently of, on our, and on our own, and we had both uh, found that that's a, an important step to take. However, we're both been involved in doing lots of retrospectives. And as you know, Diana's written, you know, co-authored the retrospective book. So um, she knows a lot about that. But I also have been doing a lot of that within HP. And uh, one of the things that we discovered in just casual conversation, besides our interest in this, is that we had learned from doing as many, you know, literally hundreds between us of retrospectives that um, a lot of the things that come up, especially repeatedly in retrospectives, could have either been eliminated or mitigated had people really started their projects off right. When, when we say right, we mean with some kind of chartering effort. So that was, we looked around and although we both know people who have been talking about this for a long time, there, we didn't see anything written or any way to share what we knew. So we decided to fill the void. Great. Yeah, and, I, and I've read an advanced copy of the book and really enjoyed it. And I've actually put quite a, those, quite a few of those techniques to use with great success. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so what do you think are, are some of the biggest challenges when you're starting off a new project? Well, of course, it as we always say, it depends. Um, many, many things can get in the way. Uh, the first, of course, is communication. So in, um, for instance, uh, one of the bigger steps in chartering, besides providing a, understanding the framework for it, um, is that ch the chartering process itself really emphasizes understanding, practicing, um, communication, learning to trust each other so that you can have good communication. Um, and some of the steps throughout chartering actually emphasize how to do this. So communication is a big one because if you don't have clear communication, um, none of the work you even do in chartering itself is, is going to stick. Um, we talk a lot uh, about um, communication. We believe that chartering actually catalyzes um, the interactions needed to accomplish a lot of the uh, the project work 
and accelerates uh, the team in collaborating and communicating. That's, I think, charter um, communication is really huge. There are, uh, you know, more specifics like common misunderstandings about what you're actually supposed to do. And uh, again, communication is part of that, but um, this part of our structure, um, we have a actually something called the PAC model, the PAC model as a part of our framework. And uh, that's purpose, alignment, and context. And in purpose, that's where we cover um, the product vision, the project mission, and um, uh, uh, project uh, measures, project, um, so that we know these project, uh, actually management tests, we call them. Um, and understanding that, that purpose, those three elements of the larger purpose um, takes, uh, is, is part of what creates that sense of knowing what you're doing. So the discussions that are involved um, in understanding and developing each one of those um, elements of purpose uh, also helps create that clear understanding of what purpose is. Um, purpose is inspirational and it should add um, be kind of motivating for the project work itself. So part of the reason we focus on purpose uh, is to make sure that people have a common understanding. So you had mentioned that uh, you guys did uh, lift off also addressing creating teams as well, correct? In the book? I, I, well, I make, I'm not sure I got your first, like, creating teams? Is that what you said? Like, like starting off teams or chartering teams. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, because so we believe that um, when, a, when a project first launches um, and you've got, uh, you know, all the initial steps are done. You know, there's somebody's had a vision. The business has uh, agreed to uh, finance the, the uh, resources and the people to do it, there's been sign off and you're ready to go and you have a, a, a team has been assembled, then you really, there needs to be some, and there usually always is, some kind of uh, formal start that goes on. And that's what we call a liftoff. And um, so in order to really start the project right, we believe, um, I mean, you can do things like have activities in your liftoff of forming, you know, uh, uh, skill development or uh, a boot camp or um, some kind of team building, but chartering, actually that process encompasses a lot of, a lot of the, the team building work just in the act of doing it. And so in the um, specific to teams, besides understanding this alignment, um, uh, of purpose, there's also a larger alignment. And that has to do with the team itself um, and understanding, you know, what are our working agreements? What are our values and principles? Who are we? What makes us up? Um, those are the, the kind of the three things that go in the alignment element. Um, not all teams go through this kind of 
working together to understand this. Sometimes um, teams often have working agreements, of course, and those are operational kinds of things. Um, like what's the definition of done, and that's excellent work that can go on. But understanding uh, values and, and principles that the team holds and the project community, actually, it really speaks to, to the beliefs and ideas about how the work is done itself. So just like the manifesto has some values and then uh, principles that back it up, it's the principles that really talk about behavior. And that, as I said, is different than, than uh, uh, working agreements. A principle uh, helps with decision making. So if the team is stuck, say, on how are they going to manage uh, something or deal with a certain situation, the principles are often there as guides. Um, one of the, the principles that uh, we used at HP in the Agile Special Interest Group in our work was quality trumps expediency. So that's the kind of uh, activity, even just having the team pull together to um, sit down and have a good discussion about values and principles uh, helps align the team and the project community because everyone then has a more shared understanding of the work itself and how it's going to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of people that come into uh, teams don't realize um, how often an organization adapts something, say Agile, Scrum, XP, something that, that kind of comes up and from high. You know, we've seen in a number of engagements we've been into where uh, management says, you know, they want to do quote unquote the Agile. And to management, that means that um, stuff is going to get done faster and it's going <laughs> to cost less money <laughs> and the quality is going to be up. And then, you know, you kind of talk to maybe the project manager or the product development team or. Um, you know, somebody, you know, doing the work and they think of it as, you know, oh, we get to be self-organizing and we get to be empowered. And, uh, you know, we had talked to uh, one customer or one client that um, when asked, well, what are the goals of why you guys are even doing Agile? Because they didn't seem to want to actually embrace any of the Agile principles or values. Uh, so we said, well, why are you even doing this? And their answer right. was, well, because the CEO says that they want the Agile implemented by the end of the year by all of the teams. So if uh, I'm in a company and I'm faced with implementing the Agile by the end of the year is lift off something that can help me um, maybe get the business side of the fence, the CEO, the CIO, um, and the project management team or the product development team to get shared principles, or is it strictly really just for teams themselves? Oh, you can certainly do chartering at, at you know, at multiple levels. Um, I w the, uh, an adoption, right, an agile adoption is a kind of a project undertaking in and of itself. And if people's answer of why they're doing it is because the CEO said so, that sounds like an adoption that's going to have difficulty. Yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> because it, it, I mean, it sounds like there, there hasn't been communication. Um, and people haven't actually sat down together to, to talk about much. So there isn't, you know, the purpose itself of even the adoption isn't clear. Correct. Yeah. And I, so, yeah. so what was the vision for this, you know? Because purpose is comprised of, as I said, vision, mission, and mission tests. So um, 
what was the what's the vision of this you know i assume it's some high level executive that made this decision what right. was their vision for it what what do they see as a result of this and then the um what's the mission of this particular work team that's you know that's got a product to deliver and then what are the tests how is this executive going to know or the executive team going to have any sense that this adoption has been successful if they have if they haven't even thought about that when they start yeah i like the what team has no guidance you know i mean yeah i like so what you yeah. said that you you know agile adoption itself is a project absolutely and that's that's a great way of thinking about it and applying yeah. you know the the techniques and kind of the process that you outline in the book would be fantastic for a new, you know, a company embracing agile for the first time doing, you know, learning scrum, whatever it is that they're doing to, right. you know, move themselves towards agility. Uh, that'd be a great way to help them understand what it is that they're doing, why they're well, doing it, how they're going to get there. I agree. Cause in, in a liftoff, say for adoption, <clears throat> As I mentioned, you can do many things in, in a liftoff depending on, you know, what, what the intention is. So you could, you could do, you know, some scrum training as part of the liftoff because ideally, of course, you have people together, you know, physically together. Even though some parts of the team may be distributed, if they're ever going to be together, it needs to be during the liftoff. So you could get your training done then, any other of that, you know, kind of um, team building stuff, as well as the chartering, which is helps the team form, you know, not just a, in a kind of a standard team building exercise kind of way, but in a much deeper way because of the things that we cover. And the fact that um, dealing with not just the the, the purpose and alignment, and we haven't even talked about context yet, which is very critical. And probably one of the pieces of uh, chartering that's um, the, the impact of understanding context is probably the least recognized of the, the other two pieces that I've talked about. So um, you could really design your, your uh, liftoff to cover a broad spectrum of things while everybody's there physically together and leverage it to the absolute best. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I, I worked with a, a team recently, like I said, using a lot of these techniques. And when we talked about context and, you know, drew out uh, the context map and diagram, uh, right. it, it was fascinating all of the issues that had not been thought of, all the communication <laughs> pathways that, you know, were just that's assumed by certain people on the team and other members of the team had no clue what they were talking about. And it was a, it was an incredibly useful exercise uh, that was really, really important for that core team. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I, I found it very valuable. That's great. That's great. Yeah. It's a, it is a, a understanding context is, is um, so important. I mean, it really helps define the limits, you know, the boundaries, uh, so much depends on that, um, that people kind of make assumptions about it. Yeah. And so, you know, we like to talk a lot, uh, as a company about 
restoring humanity and you know kind uh-huh. of kind of bringing a more humanness back into the organization and as I was working with this team who was a a newly formed team who had known each other for many many years but had never really worked on a project like this I took them through a lot of these exercises and it went from a chore to something that was really enjoyable and you know watching them gel as a team over the week that I was there coaching them uh talking about shared values and principles uh-huh was just a really incredible experience. And uh, I got a lot out of it. Uh, the team got an amazing amount of value out of it. And really, ha- it, it really set them off on the right foot. Uh, and, and the project is moving forward, going strong. You know, and, I, and I think a lot of it does have to do with that good, solid foundation that they were able to start with. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. that. That kind of fits with most of the experience we've had using uh, you know these these techniques, and uh, and I and I must say, um, hearing you talk about it, uh, it's my guess is because this is certainly what I hear from other people too is that as you facilitate this, it you can't help but start to internalize some of it yourself and and take a look, you know maybe at how you think about things. What are my values about work? Oh yeah, of course. Things like that, and uh, so it's. Uh, just doing the work itself and and facilitating other people i think is also um adds value because you're you get a you get a chance to to kind of reevaluate yourself you know do another iteration through yourself yeah that's great <laughs> while you're doing it so do you have a do you have a good story or good experience that you could tell us of a of a successful lift off that you've been a part of Oh, um, mine are pretty old um, from what I was doing at HP. Diana has has a recent, a very recent story. So it has used the techniques that we're talking about here specifically. Um, her, what her undertaking was in uh, an adoption kind of situation. And I can tell you that they had um, multiple teams because this was a very large kind of project, you know, with a number of teams. And they, all the teams sat down and did a basic charter for themselves. They, the uh, scrum masters got some training individually about how to facilitate this. And they all kind of sat together in one large place as a group and did their chartering, each team, and then got together uh, afterward and did a, um, you know, kind of a a discussion about what each team had done and how they worked to, you know, how they compared and contrasted with each other. This was at a very large company. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and it's gone on. Uh, they are continuing on this project, and it's been successful so far. Very so cool. that's just the, that's another that's kind of an adoption story. Yeah. So what do you think about you know if we have a team that's already been formed and you know we've already been moving forward on such and such a product or project? Uh, how how does the advice and the techniques from your book come into play for a team that's you know already you know halfway down the road on this project? 
Oh, well, in a way, every time, just as with many other things in Agile, anytime there's new information, the charter uh, needs to be updated. It's a living document. You know, once you've created your charter at the beginning, it's, it's an initial pass. Mm -hmm. And the assumption is it will be updated whenever there's new information. So as you're working through, um, just as uh, with um, working agreements, once you're, you know, you've kind of gotten them down and useful, you, you usually roll one out and bring in a new one, right? Because you have to remember it. it goes up in your big visible chart. The same is true with the, the values and principles or with any, anything else in the charter. Your context diagram changes. At least that's been my experience um, as work goes on. You've, you wind up working with new people in different ways. The exchanges are different. Whenever there's any kind of uh, uh, flow change, you want to change that context diagram as well. So if I have a team that, uh, let's say we didn't go through this at the beginning of our project, do you think we could, you know, at some point, say we don't have the, the vision and mission and mission oh. tests, uh, do you think it would be a good idea to stop and, you know, go through a lot of these exercises to get a better a understanding of the project? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm the, you can pretty much anytime you see a place where there isn't alignment, say, between the core team and parts of the project community, or even within the core team itself about the project work. You can go back to take a look at the alignment part mm -hmm. of, this, of this model. Great. You know, also, you can recharter whenever it's needed. You know, in the same way that people use retrospectives there are retrospectives that you do on a on a kind of a rhythm basis you know at at, at the end of an iteration or um, at the end of a release you there is no reason you can't do chartering or or the work on the elements of a charter whenever there's a need it doesn't have to be on a rhythm but when something comes up that you need to deal with it's not just for the beginning of the project it's when the need arises. That's great. I think that's really good advice to teams who maybe even even if they did start off on the right foot and have found themselves in a place where they're just not getting along or you know something's going wrong, always reevaluate you know everything that you've got and take a look and try to identify where there's an issue. Well, it it, it just has to do with you know being agile. Right. If there's new information, did something change? What's the best way to deal with it? And often that takes you back to looking at pieces of the charter. So, so as we're wrapping up here, I've, I've got one more question for you. Uh, what do you think will be the hardest thing for people to swallow from, from your book? What's going to be the hardest oh. technique or piece of advice that you're giving them? Gosh, gosh. The hard... <laughs> I haven't thought about what's the hardest <laughs> thing. My experience is that every group has different people that, 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 and the variety of people each have their own issues with certain parts. <laughs> so,
so a single part, I don't know. I, I think there's often a misconception, which we try and dispel all the time, that the chartering means documentation. And we've and so that could be very off-putting or difficult. Uh, however, we this is really a limited documentation um, piece of work. And when we do talk about documentation, it's often or mostly actually things that go up on big visible charts. So um, you know we've tried to keep it in line. Uh, I think things having to do with communication. Um, and trust, especially if it's a new team, could make this difficult, but that doesn't make this process any different than any other kind of communication. Okay, that's great. So when when can we see this book? When's it going to be out for everybody to read? <laughs> well, we're looking at next month at this point. We're, okay. We're working on actually some cover art um, and a couple of other kind of publishing level things. But we're right now looking at next month. And where are people going to be able to find it? Um, the publisher is called Onyx Neon Press. And they're in Portland. Okay. And, and how's uh, it going to be available? Right PDF? Now, or? Right now, we're, we'll probably have some kind of, um, I don't know what format it's going to be, but some kind of uh, non-paper version. Okay. So Onyx Neon, he said? Uh-huh. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ainsley, for your time and for coming on the show with us. Oh, you're very welcome. It was good talking to you. And it was great to hear that you've been using this successfully. Yeah, it's been great. I, I can't wait for the book to get out and for more people to take a look at it and give it a try. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks. And we'll talk to you, everyone, next time. Have a great Okey one. Bye-bye. Okay.